up in the pulpit and he said, um, I'm going to preach on lying. But before we do that, I want everyone to read Mark 17. <laughs> Comes back the next Sunday. He says, how many of you read Mark 17? And half the church raised their hand. And he said, Mark only has 16 chapters. Now I'm going to preach on lying because half of you are liars. It's an interesting world we live in right now. People don't realize that Pride Month and all the things that go with it, baseball teams and different sporting teams, they have Pride Weekend where the uh, players are uh, forced to uh, wear some stuff and, um, and acknowledge that they agree with what is going on. Some try not to. Some um, actually uh, get on social media, which can be a mistake. And this week, Anthony Bass, uh, pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, got on social media last month. And last month, what he did was he said that everyone should boycott uh, Target and Bud Light for their approval of the things that they're doing and selling the merchandise that they're doing. And um, he was forced to take that video down. So he took the video down and he apologized and then he had a conversation with the general manager of the um, Toronto Blue Jays. Now listen what he says to him. He says, the video, it's obviously I took it down. I, I just felt like it was too much of a distraction, right? But I shared my personal beliefs and listen what he says. And everyone is entitled to their personal beliefs, right? The answer is wrong. Just a few hours before the Toronto Blue Jays had their pride weekend, they let this pitcher go. They kicked him off the team. And this is what the general manager said. He said, we will continue to work hard to make sure that this is an inclusive environment and one where we will not stand for behavior that makes it otherwise. In other words, it's not okay to agree to disagree. In fact, if you agree to disagree, you will lose your job. And it blows me away that they say that they're doing everything they can to make this an inclusive environment. And if you don't stand for it, you're out. Uh, that's kind of not inclusive. It's only inclusive if I agree. It's exclusive if I disagree. But yet, this is what they're doing. And this picture now is, is, is done. I don't know if any team will take him after what happened. Um, you say, why? how do we live in a world like that? Well, I'll tell you what some of people want to do. They get on Realtor.com. And they look for houses in Montana. Who would want to live in Montana? I know it. Look at this. Half the church. You see, your sins will find you out. And you want to move to Montana because Montana is, you know, a red state. And we just have all the stuff. And we don't have to bother with anybody. And we got all the things we need. And they don't have all this stuff. So just get away from it. But I'm here to tell you, even though it may be now, one day it won't. Remember Colorado? One of the most conservative states. Huh? We're in the evangelical capital of the world here in Colorado Springs. Doesn't look very evangelical to me. 
So our tendency is to run away. Our tendency is to get away from them. Jude's going to say, don't do that. Jude's going to give us three things that we ought to do. We're only going to look at two today. We don't have time to look at all three. We'll look at the third one, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks here after Father's Day. I'm really excited about this portion of Scripture because he tells us, here's how you ought to live among people that want nothing to do with God. He starts off in verse 17 after really giving us, are you ready for this, over 30 characteristics of false teachers. Man, it was hard to preach through those. Let me tell you, it was easy. 30 of them. I mean, he went crazy. He tells you everything. But I want you to see his heart here. Look at, verse, look at verse 17. He has a heart for people. Jude starts it off by saying, but you beloved. He, he really does love people. He really does care about the spiritual well-being of others. May that be our hearts. May we have a heart that really cares about the spiritual well-being of others. He says, but you, beloved, in the midst of these people that are grumblers and, and they find fault and they follow after their own lust and they're arrogant and they flatter people. In the midst of people like that, here's what I want you to do. He's going to give a command in verse 17 that goes to verse 19. And then in verses 20 and 21, he's going to give another command to do. And then in Lord willing, in a few weeks, we're going to look at verses 22 and 23 and on. But I want you to notice verse 17. He says this. But you, beloved, here's what I want you to do. You ought to remember. Now, don't forget this. Not one. You ought to remember. Yes, I sleep here. You ought to remember. All right? Call to memory. This is an action here. This is an, an heiress imperative. It's telling us to wake up here. We ought to remember these things. By the way, forgetfulness is a step towards apostasy. Because as we forget, we are moving away from God's word. As we remember, we're moving towards God's word. And we need to remember something. What do we need to remember? Look at verse 17. Beloved, you ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to call to memory some of the things that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter spoke about. Now you say, what are some of these things? Well, you guys all know Acts 20, right? You have it memorized? Amen. Do you remember Acts 20, verse 28 and 29 and 30, where he says that you ought to guard the flock because there's savage wolves that are going to come up and speak perverse things and draw away disciples? Remember that portion of scripture? Let me show you a portion of scripture. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy. And then we're going to look at a couple others. But 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look what Paul talks about. And he says this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 he says this. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times... Some will, and there's the word apostasy, fall away from the faith. They will depart from the faith. Look at verse 1. Paying attention to what? To deceitful spirits, and don't miss this next thing, and doctrines of who? Demons. 
Do you realize when we sit under false teaching, we are exposing ourselves to the devil himself and the demonic teaching? It is demonic. He says, the spirit speaks of that, that in latter times, what's going to happen? That people are going to depart from the faith and they're going to start paying attention to these deceitful spirits and the very teachings of demons. Interesting. Paul mentioned it. Look at 2 Timothy for a moment. Let me show you this. Chapter 3, verse 1. One book over. Look what Paul warned us about. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, and what does your translation say? Some say difficult. Perilous. The Greek word is dangerous. We are living in dangerous times. We're in danger. He says, the last days is going to be dangerous times. They're coming. How are people going to be? Wow. Verses 2 to 5. I could preach three hours on this. But look, we're just going to mention a couple of these. I want you to see this. What will people be like in the last days? Are you ready for this? Men will be lovers of who? Themselves. 2 Timothy 3, 2 says this, Men will be lovers of what? Money. Men will be boastful. He's talking about both men and women. Arrogant. Revilers. Now watch this. You want to have more kids? Disobedient to who? Parents. Parents. Where are the kids here? They didn't want to hear it in a second, sir. Michelle, listen to this. <laughs> Disobedient to parents. The youth were in the first service. You're in the second. I get to pick on you. You want to know the market of times we're living in? Can you believe how kids talk to their parents now? We've heard it all the time, right? If my father was to hear, if I did to my father what you do to me, I'd be dead right now. And yet the disobedient to parents, the disrespect, not one amen from any kid, the disrespect, Caden, listen up. Disobedient, Beth. Look at the next word. Did it even know how to say thank you? Ungrateful. Unholy. Watch this here. Unloving. That's an interesting word in the Greek, verse 3 there. That's the word for not loving their own families. We live in a world where people hate their own families. My aunt, she just recently passed away, and my cousin, he called me up. My unsaved cousin, he says, Jeremy, we are family. We love each other no matter what. The unsaved get this. But yet we live in a world where people hate their own families. They're unloving. They're irreconcilable. They don't, they don't, there's no truths here. They're malicious gossips. And then list goes on. And look at the last part. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's what makes it sad. Verse 5. They have this form of godliness. I mean, these are the people calling themselves believers. And yet they deny the very power of God. Paul mentioned it. Do you think about that the next time you see something on the news and it says, wow, look what the people are doing. Are you remembering the words of Paul? He says, Jude says this, you ought to remember this was spoken of beforehand going back to Jude. 
This is not something new. It's something surprising to God. This is something that God said will happen. Here's what's exciting about it. The more we see it happen, the more we understand that the Bible is true. He says, this was spoken. You ought to call to memory this. Now watch this. Verse 18. Here's what he said that they were going to say here in Jude 18. He says this. They were saying to you that in the last times... Or in the last time, talking about from Jesus' first time coming to his second time coming, in the last time, there will be what? Mockers. People who scorn God, who laugh at religion, who roll their eyes at us. Ever had that happen? Oh, are you coming at me with the Bible? Oh, I don't believe that stuff. They make little of what God says. They laugh at what God says. They make light of God's word and God's will. They ridicule it. They say that's not true. And what do they follow? They follow their own lust, their own ungodly lust. They, they live their lives for themselves as if there was no God. He says, in the last times, they're going to be mocking these things. They're going to scorn religion. They're going to be like a child that makes light of what God says and God's will. And he says here, they're going to mock and they're going to follow their own lusts. Doesn't get done. Watch what else he says. He says, these are the ones that cause divisions. They are not pleased with just living their own lives. They have to divide us. They divide us. They need a follower. These are interesting words there to cause divisions. It talks about becoming a, an elite person, a part of a clique. I remember before we came here as a pastor, there were cliques in the church. And so one of the cliques took my wife out for, for, for lunch and said to her, oh, well, you know, there was a lot of cliques in the church. So, so uh, who, are you going to have cliques when you come here as a pastor's wife? And Katie with her beautiful smile and her toughness. And you don't mess with Katie, I'll tell you that much. She looked at him. She said, I, I hate to disappoint you, ladies, but my best friend's my husband. I hang around him. You're not going to have cliques? That cut everything right off. People like to have cliques. They like to consider themselves the elite, causing division. And they also are worldly-minded. Interesting word there. The word speaks of soulish. They have no spirit of God. This is the same word Paul uses of people who can't receive the things of God. They're, they're devoid of the spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They're lacking the very spirit of God. And without the spirit, there's no illumination. There's no conviction. There's no indwelling. They can't understand the scriptures. I was, I was telling in the first service that uh, Patrick, Damon, some of you guys know Mr. Patrick, um, he's a short guy, a lot of muscles, looks like me. And um, <laughs> not one amen. What a rough crowd. I, uh, I mean, really handsome guy, you know, young 30s, you know, looks just well, not like me. But anyway, he says, hey, I want you to come over. I'm, I, I got somebody, I got some Jehovah Witnesses coming over and they, they want to talk to me. So I like to have my pastor there kind of help me through, you know, stuff like that. So I went, I have never met such seasoned Jehovah Witnesses in my life. They've been in it 40 years. They knew everything. It was amazing. The guy starts off by saying, we're going to start and let the Bible speak. The Bible is the authority. I was like, wow, praise God. We're going to let the Bible speak. 
And then he starts calling Jesus Michael. Michael, the archangel. Right? And his cell phone rang. Michael, the archangel. Michael. His name is Jesus. And he's talking about Jesus as being created billions of years ago and mentioning how Jesus is Michael, one of the archangels. The archangel, there's not many, he says, he's the archangel. And, and Jesus changed and he's just talking about all this. And I'm sitting there, I just, I couldn't believe to hear the word. My heart was vexed inside of me. I said, can we go to a few scriptures? We went to Hebrews 1 5, where it says, To which of the angels did he say, You are my son, this day I've begotten you? I said, No angel is the son of God. You know what the lady said? He's an archangel, not an angel. Archangel is an angel, but yet blind. We took him to John 1 1. We took him to Hebrews 13 8, to Isaiah 42. We took him to scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And guess what? Nothing. Zippo. You say, why? I'll tell you why. Because look what the word says here in verse 19. They are worldly minded. They are natural. They don't have the Spirit of God. I left that meeting sad. And then I left that meeting thankful. I left that meeting sad. How can it be so hard to the word of God? And then I left that meeting thankful. God, thank you that I can see your word. Because it's only by your grace. And it's only by his spirit. They had no, they just kept coming back with stuff after stuff. And let me just tell you, how do you know something's a cult? It is a cult when they get Jesus wrong. And it is a cult when they get the wrong way to get to heaven. That is a cult. And they miss Jesus. And they miss the wrong way. But we don't run away from him. Watch this here in verse 20. He's going to tell us, what do we do when we come away from conversations like that where we're showing scripture after scripture after scripture, but there's no change? What do we do? Verse 20 and 21 are so important. I don't want you to miss this here. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. Here's what we ought to do in the midst of all this. He says here in verse 20, but you beloved, he's back to him again, but you beloved, here's what I want you to do, beloved. Here's the good thing for your spiritual welfare in life. This is what I want out of you. Verse 21 is the command and verses 20 and 21 have three ways that we obey that command. Watch this. Verse 21, he says this, but you, beloved, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep yourselves in the love of who? Of God. All right, now, don't miss this. He's not saying keep loving God. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say just, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and keep loving God. He doesn't want us to do that. He's telling us to keep ourselves in God's love. Here's what he's saying. Don't do anything in your life that will cloud God's wonderful, marvelous love for you. Don't listen to that false teaching that will cloud his love and lead you astray. Don't go into disobedience and, 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 and sin that would make you wonder whether or not God loves you. Keep yourself in that sphere of God's love. Allow yourself to be marveled with God's love. Understand God's love and, and live for God all the more. 
I heard an incredible illustration about this with the prodigal son. When the prodigal son left, the father never stopped loving him. But the prodigal son left the sphere of blessing. And then the prodigal son came back. Jude says, don't leave that sphere of blessing. Don't leave where you're clouding out. He loves you. Keep yourselves in that love. I love that verse. And how do we do this? Notice in verse 20 and 21, he tells us how to do it right here in the text. If we're going to keep ourselves in that sphere of God's love, we need to build ourselves up on the most holy what? Faith. He uses a construction word, building. We ought to build ourselves, yourselves. You have a responsibility here. This doesn't just happen by just walking into a church. We have a responsibility here ourselves. Build yourselves up. It's a lifelong project. Here's what's amazing. It's not like a little house that you build, you, build, you start out, and then after a couple of years, it's done. No, this is a lifelong project. We are building ourselves up on what? On the most holy faith. In other words, the truths of the scriptures. Here's what Jude is saying. In the midst of all these false teachers that are trying to bring us away, here's what you ought to do. Keep yourself in the very love of God. How? Build yourselves up on the convictions, on the scriptures, on what the Bible says. In other words, let me make it simple. We ought to know our Bibles and know them well. Somebody comes up to you and calls Jesus Michael. Where do you go? What scriptures? Know them. Know the word. Have a heart for God's word. Here's, I want to show you one of my favorite verses. I have a, a mug that I have, um, that somebody gave me. Ezra chapter 7. I want to show you this real quick. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra is somewhere in the Old Testament, if we can find it. Praise God for electronic Bibles. Amen. If you've gone to Genesis, you've gone a little bit too far. <laughs> if you turn it back and go to Revelation, you've gone too far the other way. It's somewhere before the Psalms. It's after the Kings. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. I pray this is our heart here. Watch this. Ezra had the task of leading the people back spiritually not like nehemiah who did it to to build the temple but this was spiritual leading back how was he going to do it verse 10 how are you going to lead people back spiritually to where they need to be here's how you do it verse 10 for ezra had set his heart don't miss that he had a heart a devoted heart a desire of his heart a burning passion in his heart this is a heart issue this is a hunger issue in the heart. He said he set his heart to do something. What did he do? He set his heart to do three things. Here it is. He set his heart to study the law of the Lord. To know the scriptures. To study the scriptures. Some parts are hard. Amen. They ain't that easy to understand. Everyone loves to go to Revelation. Wait. <laughs> Something in Revelation really hard. 
Study John. I like John. Study the scriptures. Know the Bible. And what's wonderful is we have so many helps today. We have beautiful study Bibles out there. We have wonderful commentaries out there. But really what he's saying is you make sure when you're listening to the Bible or studying the Bible, you listen to trained, proven, trustworthy teachers. And there's plenty of them out there. They're trained, they're trustworthy, and they're proven. There should be a big red flag when you ask somebody, where did you go to school? And they say, I didn't go anywhere. I studied this myself, and I know everything myself. Watch out. Professors have a way of humbling you. I tell people I used to be a five-point Calvinist, five to the core. And then I went to seminary, and I was down to four after one year, and I was happy to get out with three, Amen. You know why? Because the professors challenge you. They challenge what you believe. You need proven, trained, trustworthy teachers. Study the word. Listen to the word. Listen to sermons. I love listening to some of my favorites. Chuck Swindoll, 88 years old and still preaching two sermons every Sunday. I don't know how he does. I'm 48. I'm ready to drop dead. He does it every Sunday. 88. He is trustworthy. He is proven. He is trained. We listen to people like that. Plenty of them out there. He studied the word. Guess why he studied the word? So he can beat up a Jehovah Witness. Look at that right there in the verse. It's right there. You see it? Study the word so he can rip the cults apart. Is that what it says? Study the word to do what? To practice it. He had a heart for God's word, not just to study it. He had a heart to put it into practice. I pray that that's your heart when you come on Sunday. Pastor, I'm not just here to hear the Bible. I'm here to practice the Bible. Preach us something so we can put it into practice. Now, one amen. Well, I guess I'll just keep going on here. A heart. When we go to the scriptures in the morning or when I go to the scriptures to study the Bible for, uh, for a sermon, we don't go to study for a sermon. We go to study for our souls. It's all devotional. And so he had a heart to study it, a heart to do it, to practice it, and then a heart to what? Teach his statues and ordinances in Israel. In other words, to share God wants us to talk about the Bible. In fact, if you want to learn the Bible, I'm here to tell you, talk about the Bible. I almost memorized the whole New Testament by talking to people who didn't believe in the New Testament. And they would ask me questions and I'd go back to my pastor. Now, this guy said this, what do I do? Oh, go to this verse. My pastor got me one time. He said this. He said, go to Hezekiah 14. It's in there. And so I went home and I opened up the Bible. And There's no Hezekiah. I didn't know the books of the Bible. It starts there. <laughs> Study the Bible. Practice the Bible. And guess what? Share the Bible. Build yourself up. And as you're doing that, you're building yourself up on the holy faith. 
You're learning the scriptures. You're talking about the scriptures. You're saying, wow, look what I learned. Look what I'm, look what I'm doing. And so he said, keep yourselves in the love of God. And he's going to give us two more real quick. Let's look at this here in verse 20. Here's what we ought to do going back to Jude. We're building ourselves up on the most holy faith. It is a holy faith because it transforms our lives. We will not be the same after studying the scriptures and putting the scripture into practice. We are not the same. It transforms lives. But we don't stop there. We pray, look at this verse 20, in the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now don't miss this because some people take this to mean you, you got to pray in tongues. It's not what it's saying. It's saying pray controlled, indwelt, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to control your prayers. Here's what he's saying. When we are praying in the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray, not my will, but your will be done. When we are praying in the Holy Spirit, we're going to realize how weak our prayers are. Some people say, I'm a prayer warrior. No, no, no. We are weak prayers. But praise God for the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit prompts us how to pray. The Holy Spirit actually directs our prayers. The Holy Spirit actually takes our prayers and changes them and brings them according to God's will. I wonder sometimes what God is doing in heaven after some of the things we ask him to do. Him looking down at us and saying, do you really want that? Do you really want to go to Montana? Are you sure? You want to go where there's more cows than people? Come on. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray controlled by the Holy Spirit. Somebody said here, we were praying dependent upon the Holy Spirit, admitting our weaknesses, that we are weak. You know what we're admitting? We're admitting that we can't win these battles against false teachers without the very power of God. I feel so helpless after opening verse after verse and somebody just looks at you and stares at you and says, yeah, so what? Jesus is Michael. Do, do you get what this? It's, he's not Michael. Do you understand scripture after scripture? Yeah, yeah, he's Michael. Do you understand it? You leave there weak and you say, Lord, only you can change this person. Praying dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And then, look at this last one. It's my favorite. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we do that? We build ourselves up. We're praying in the Holy Spirit. And the last thing here, we are waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. We are looking upward. And here's what we're doing. We are excited about something. We're not excited about how this world is changing. We're not excited about how hard it is getting to take a stand. It's not, it's not exciting about we can't agree to disagree and, and I'm wrong if I'm not inclusive. And if I say anything about anything, I'm, I'm scrutinized and, and they don't want to hear that and I'm a hater and all this. We're not excited about that. Here's what we're excited about. We're excited that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again. And we are looking forward to that, anxiously waiting. I tell you, your life changes when your kids go to college. Because you anxiously wait for them to come back. All right? I'm not ready for them to get married yet. As much as I want to be a grandparent, I'm not ready for it. You mark it on your calendar. You can't wait to see them. That's how our heart should be with Jesus Christ. And you know what we should, can't wait about? Look at this right here in the passage. He is going to bring mercy. You say, what mercy is going to happen when he comes back? 
Well, praise God, we're going to have redeemed bodies. We're going to be able to see straight without glasses. Walk straight after we play tennis for two hours. Not have any headaches. Eat all the donuts we want and not get fat. God is so good. It's holy food, by the way. That was a good one, man. That was, that was, pretty good. That was a rough one, man. What a crowd here. Life without the presence of sin. We're going to live without Target, amen? No one's even going to mention it. I'm sorry, I'm going to maybe offend a few. There's no Bud Light in heaven. All right? It's just straight whiskey. I'm kidding around. No, we don't know. It's not. We don't know what it is. Listen, whiskey is never the solution to your problems. But sometimes it's worth a shot. But anyways, I'm getting really bad here. How did I get off script? See, the second service is, second service is gone way down the hill. Life in the... We better finish this up before I get into big trouble here. Life in the presence of God forever and ever. What mercy is coming. You know what he's saying here? He's saying no matter how bad the world gets, you just keep looking up because somebody's going to come and take care of the wickedness in this world. When I was younger, I had a big mouth. I had. I used to challenge a lot of kids to fight me. A few of them took me up on it. I remember telling him this. If you fight me, my brother's going to come and beat you up. I have a big brother. He will come and beat you up. So you mess with me all you want. Some of them said, we will mess with you and they beat me up. One kid did beat me up. He pulled me under in the pool, almost ripped my ankle, broke my ankle almost. I was, I was really hurt. I told my big brother. I, I didn't know he remembered it. He came back into town. My big brother found that guy and challenged him to a fight. And my big brother beat him up. Right? Don't mess with me. You know what he's saying here? You keep looking up because there's a big brother coming. And he's going to take care of this world. Don't live frustrated and fighting things that don't matter. We're going to see, Lord willing, in two weeks, how do we approach them with the gospel? But right now, we just keep looking up because he's coming. And may it be today. And you know what excites me about this world? The more we see this stuff, the closer he is to coming. How can we not get excited? I mean, you're like, what else has to happen? Nothing has to happen. He can come now. So let's be excited about it. Let's be anxious about it. And let's be looking up towards that. That's what he's saying here. Keep yourselves in the very love of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we have a church that has a heart for your word. A heart to study it. A heart not only to study it, but to put it into practice. And then a heart to share it with other people. I get so encouraged throughout the week when I get devotionals and, and verses from other people in the church that are so excited about your word that they just have to share it with others. May that be each one of us, Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that we would keep ourselves in your love. 
in the spirit that you can bless us as we build ourselves up, as we pray dependent upon the Holy Spirit, as we look anxiously, waiting for your son to come back. The one who will take care of this world. The one where people can scorn and mock right now, but one day they will stand before Jesus. They will bow before Jesus and they will call Jesus who he is. He is Lord. He is not Michael. He's the God of the universe. He is Yahweh. He's our God. Thank you for him. It is in his name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Oh, if you would, please stand.